Welcome to The Cap, where we are here to speak with college reps and other professionals in the field of college admissions to help answer all your questions and guide you through every step of the process. So if you're serious about college admissions, you've come to the right place. Are you ready? Let's talk about it. And now, here's your host, Dr. John Durante. Welcome to The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and I am here to introduce you to college admissions representatives and other professionals in the field of college admissions. Our purpose is to serve you, the students and parents, so that you may gain insight straight from the people who ultimately make the decisions. Regardless of whether you will apply to a particular school being highlighted, you should listen to all of the episodes as each guest will give you tremendous insight and advice on every aspect of the college admissions process, prompting you to come up with your own follow-up questions for when you visit campus or meet with a college admissions representative yourself. Lastly, if you have any questions you'd like me to cover on future episodes or any comments you'd like to share, please email me at collegeadmissionstalk at gmail.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.collegeadmissionstalk.com. So are you ready? Let's talk about it. Welcome to The Cap, everyone, the College Admissions Process Podcast. I am John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce you today to Kelly Kaufman, who is the Senior Assistant Director of Admissions at the University of Georgia. Kelly, how are you today? Good morning, John. How are you? I am great, and it is so terrific to have you. We're really looking forward to hear about all of the great opportunities that the University of Georgia has to offer. So, Kelly, why don't we start by asking you to simply tell us about yourself and how did you end up as an admissions representative? So I think if you ask any admissions representative, no one will really ever say they dreamed about being this, you know, as a, as a middle school student, I would say it's definitely not a linear path. Um, <laughs> I went to college and uh, studied education as well as business, um, ended up working in insurance for a couple years, and I found out that I don't think that was exactly um, all that I had dreamed of. <laughs> and so I had the opportunity to work for my almost Mamata, Georgia Southwestern, um, as a regional admissions officer in the Atlanta area for about three years. Um, and it was, a, it was a great, I think, uh, segue into the world of admissions. Um, we practiced a rolling admissions process, and I had the opportunity to um, have a different admissions experience and started with Georgia. And I'm rounding out about my eighth year here at University of Georgia. Um, where we practice a holistic application process and we release decisions at specific points in time. Um, so I definitely think that there's a lot of merit in my experience having worked at multiple universities um, and just having the opportunity to share about what makes this place special. Well, that's terrific, and we're all looking forward to hearing all about it. So, Kelly, what does the University of Georgia offer both inside and outside of the classrooms that make it appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Sure. So a little context about the University of Georgia. We're lo located in Athens, Georgia. Uh, Athens, Georgia is about 90 minutes uh, northeast of Atlanta. Jet Setter magazines actually <laughs> recognize Athens as one of the hippest cities in the South. And jokingly, this means that we have the highest concentration of beards, baristas, and man buns than any other <laughs> university in the South. 
But all joking aside, Athens is a really important backdrop to the student experience on campus because of that music and art scene, the creative culture and community that students can experience right across the street from our historic North Campus. Um, now, beyond the city of Athens, Georgia is a fantastic place, too. Um, we are actually one of the largest public universities to require that students graduate with a form of experiential learning. And this is certainly something that you find at smaller liberal arts schools, typically that have enrollment closer to five, 3,000 students, but Georgia has 30,000 undergraduates. Wow. So we're a big place, um, but we do wanna make sure that we provide all of our students, even with that um, smaller, um, more intimate type of experience. And so that experiential learning is where students take what they're learning in the classroom and they apply it in real world ways. So most commonly we see students applying this through research opportunities. Um, Georgia is a place where students can get involved um, in research uh, as soon as they set foot on campus. That means as soon as their first year. Um, students have the opportunity to work alongside world-renowned faculty with that research. They also have the opportunity to travel study on every single continent. Yes, if they wanted to go to Antarctica and study penguin migration, they could. Not a lot of students want to pursue that program, <laughs> but it's cool to know if you wanted to, you could. Um, and then we see our students landing uh, great internships all over the world. Um, and this is something that we're seeing is enhancing our students' experience um, and really attributing to that about 93% job placement rate. Wow. Typically, this number was about 98% pre-pandemic, but I think where we are right now, that's still an incredibly strong number. Um, and it's helpful for students and families to know what that return on investment will look like. Um, we're also a place where students can um, explore majors. And when I say that, we're home to about 200 majors um, across 18 schools and colleges. So um, we pretty much have every single major with the exception of nursing. Um, and we have a great tool on our website where students can find out about career paths and what we offer. Um, now, outside of the classroom, I've spoken to a lot of the, the award-winning academics and why students would want to come here, but um, I spoke to the city of Athens. We have about 150,000 people that live here outside of the university, so I think that's helpful to know. But the students comprise about 40,000 with undergraduate and graduate population, and there's about 800 clubs and organizations on campus. So we are not lacking in ways for students to get involved. I think I find from the student interns that I work with, they have more of a challenge in finding out where they need to pull back because there's so <laughs> many ways that they want to get plugged in. Um, Athens is a city where people want to stay here on the weekends. Um, and fall is really a time like, like any other. Um, we have students um, who don't really care for sports when they come to Georgia. C can you believe that? Um, <laughs> but when they're here, the school spirit is really contagious. Um, and when you're around that type of environment, I think it's really easy to buy into the community and the academic experience. And a strange thing when you visit Georgia is that you'll find that almost every student's walking around with a UGA t-shirt on. So a tip to students as they're visiting colleges, look around and see what t-shirts the students have on. I've been to universities where not everybody is wearing the college t-shirt that 
you know, they're visiting. And I think that sometimes really speaks volumes into the buy-in of the student population. Well, that's great advice and very telling. You're right, whether or not there's school spirit. And with over 40,000 students, and that's undergraduate and graduate, I love how you explained how, yes, it's a big school, but you work really hard to make it uh, a small school feel for each and every one of your students. And by the way, you guys do an amazing job in terms of accepting students, but also keeping them there. Recently, I read that 96% of your freshmen actually returned. So congratulations to you and your staff for the great work you do, again, to select students, but also all the great work that the university does to make sure that they are happy and that they return and stay there and ultimately graduate with their bachelor's degree and beyond. So congratulations on all of that. So Kelly, that leads me to my next question. What is the average profile of the current freshman class? Sure. So one thing that you'll see is in August, we'll post our official numbers for the the 2022 cycle. Um, So right now, the 2021 numbers are available on our website. Um, I think it's helpful to mention that if you don't get them all down at one time, they're there. Um, But in our process, we practice a whole student review, meaning that we look at everything in the file. But ultimately, it is going to start with academics because we want students to be successful when they come to the University of Georgia. And so the the two key things that we look at the most are going to be the grades a student earns in high school and the rigor of curriculum that they are choosing to take uh, relative to what's offered at their school. I say that specifically because Schools offer different opportunities. We recognize that, and so we do consider that in our process. So when we're looking at the academic profile, um, our middle 50% ranges would be a 4 to 4.27 core GPA, meaning that we recalculate a student's GPA. What's listed on their transcript can be crossed out. We're actually going in and saying, okay, how many A's do you have? How many B's do you have? How many C's do you have? And coming up with that new number. That is our attempt to level the playing field um, on a national scope. The GPAs can be communicated in so many different ways. I've seen a 10.0, a 6.0. You've got emojis at times. That's my college admissions (laughs) joke. But um, it can be confusing. So know that we recalculate that. We also um, see that our middle 50% of um, admitted students have between 7 to 12 um, advanced placement, international baccalaureate, or dual enrollment courses. Um, And again, this is within the context of the high school. The third um, middle 50% range um, that we uh, publish on our first year profile would be regarding test scores. And um, I specifically put that last because it is an item um, that uh, we are really moving away from, um, putting a lot of emphasis on, but it is an item that is required by Georgia's Board of Regents. So we see um, our middle 50% range being a 31 to 34 ACT, um, and then a mid 50% range of that 1350 to 1490. Uh, And while we're on test scores, um, I know there's a, a lot of conversation nationally about the test optional process and what that what that means. Um, 
Georgia was a school that um, did did go test optional during the the height of the pandemic during 2020, um, and we are governed by um, the University System of Georgia Board of Regents, who made that decision for all of the state colleges and universities in Georgia. Um, that uh, changed back in fall of. 2021 for our process and so they are a piece that we need but we're continuing um, to place less importance on them because four years in high school really translate better in the process than four hours at an academic test score um, when students may have been out the night before for a football game or they're in the marching band and so we know that there's all these external factors that play to that piece and I don't think students should worry as much if those are lower numbers. I want to welcome back Sean Patel, who is the founder and CEO of Prep Expert. He's a Shark Tank entrepreneur making a deal with Mark Cuban back in 2016. Sean, welcome back. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back, John. So I just wanted to share with all your listeners real quick that we have an amazing partnership with the College Admissions Process Podcast, and we have a really special offer for all of your listeners. So for any listener who wants to enroll their student into one of our prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring programs, you can get 30% off just for being a listener of the College Admissions Process Podcast. All you need to do is put in the promo code COLLEGETALK, one word, just college talk, and that'll give you 30% off all prep expert SAT courses, ACT courses, or one-on-one -on -one tutoring packages, make sure you use the link in the show notes of the College Admissions Process Podcast. Thank you, Sean. We really appreciate it. To our listeners, as an affiliate partner with Prep Expert, I want to be transparent with you that for every purchase made, the College Admissions Process Podcast will receive a small commission from Prep Expert. But rest assured that we only promote programs that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. For more information, please see the Prep Expert affiliate partnership link in the show notes. And now let's get back to the show. Well, I think that's a great explanation. And thank you for sharing that test scores are required by the Georgia Board of Regents. And I also like your explanation in terms of the GPA and how you recalculate it, but also why you recalculate it. You're getting students from throughout the country hundreds if not thousands of different high schools which have different metrics like you said a 10 point scale four point scale hey some even use a 100 point scale so thank you so much for that explanation i think that's awesome and very helpful to students and their parents so we talked about that middle 50 percent the average profile of the current freshman class so kelly what advice would you give a student if they fall lower than the current class average should they apply and how can they enhance their overall application so I think my first piece of advice would be to listen to your school counselor. Um, they are an expert in this process, and I promise you they know what they're doing. Um, they work closely with um, admissions officers at all universities, and this is a relationship that we work very hard to nurture. And so not only um, do they have insight from our team, they also usually have a good bit of data that can help make an informed decision on 
what your target or your reach school may be. And, and that can kind of help frame should you apply or not if you are lower. Um, I will say that all colleges and universities are going to start with your academic performance. And while other factors will be considered, um, you got to keep in mind that you go to college to be a college student first. And so um, I don't ever want to say that you sh shouldn't apply, um, but I think you need to be realistic with where you fall compared to a middle 50% profile. Those numbers that I just um, chat, named off, um, not everybody has those numbers. So there are students who are lower than those ranges. Um, but there are students who had those numbers who were also not admitted. So I think those are pieces to, to help keep in mind as you're trying to make that decision. Um, in terms of how you can enhance your application, we certainly understand that um, dips, peaks, and valleys are going to take place throughout your academic career. Um, COVID is something that we definitely see, um, and, and we notice that in grade trends. I don't think that that is something that has to be explained, but if there are dips in your academic performance, um, those should be be communicated somewhere in an application. Um, admissions offices really value context. And so knowing if there was something that happened to you in that second semester of your freshman year that attributed to that dip in your grades. But then we see your sophomore and junior year increase up. Those are pieces that are helpful to us um, as we see you in that whole student review process. Well, that's terrific advice and again, a terrific overview. And again, we have to give kudos and a shout out to all the guidance counselors out there that truly are a wealth of information. So students and parents, please continue to work very closely with your guidance counselors. They know you, they know their high school's curriculum, and most importantly, they know colleges and what they're looking for. So make sure you're working with your school guidance counselor always. Kelly, do you recommend declaring a major on the application and what would be some benefits or negatives in doing so? Sure. So I think this is um, a, probably an urban legend or myth for Georgia's <laughs> process is that we admit by major. And again, all colleges and universities do things a little bit differently. But here at Georgia, we value major exploration and we don't think that a 17 or 18 year old needs to have life figured out. You heard me talk about uh, <laughs> everything not being a linear path. Um, so if a student knows exactly what they want to study, sure, they can list it on the application. Um, the benefit to that is they wouldn't have to change it at a later date, but also if they have done work that maybe supports that area, it's always great to see that there's a reason why you chose this major um, and, and you've done some things that support that. On the flip side, it's okay to not list a major if you don't know what that's going to be. Um, in fact, we, we let students change their major as soon as they have paid that commitment deposit. Um, and so we have students who are admitted right now who will change their major before orientation. And that is something we are completely fine with because about 40% of our applicant pool will change their major um, within this process. And that is totally fine because it's not um, the basis of an admissions decision for us. 
Well, I'm so glad that you shared that statistic. 40% of the students will change their major. I know that a lot of students and their parents are so concerned and worried about what am I going to study? What am I going to major in? And there you are talking about current students and how 40% of them will in fact change their major. So that's great insight, Kelly. Thank you so much. And I hope that's helpful to students and their parents. What are the different ways a student can actually apply to the University of Georgia, and are there any benefits to applying either way? Sure. So um, Georgia uses an early action and regular decision application. Um, this means that our process is non-binding. So if we admit students, they can still choose to tell us no. Obviously, if we admit them, we would love for them to come, but we recognize Students have a lot of great options, and a lot of times they need to see um, what those options look like later down the road, especially when finances come into play. Um, and so early action and regular decision at Georgia um, are the same application review process. The only difference is a matter of timing in which a student chooses to submit. So our early action deadline is October 15th. If a student is ready to have all parts of their application reviewed on October 15th, that's a great plan for them. If they are not ready to have all parts of their application reviewed on October 15th, we encourage them to wait and apply regular decision that has a January 1st um, application deadline. Why would a student choose to wait, wait and apply January 1st? Maybe they want to show first semester grade trends. Um, maybe they've had a tough time getting into an SAT or ACT test sit sitting, which is something that we need. Um, regardless of the reason, we simply want to see students submit their best application. Um, and so if they are ready to have all of those pieces reviewed on that date, then that would be the best plan for them. Well, I think that's great insight in terms of why somebody would go regular decision as opposed to early action, whether it be they have to wait for another SAT or an ACT test, perhaps they want to share quarter grades. That's terrific, uh, terrific insight. Thank you so much again, Kelly. How often should a student visit the campus, and do you actually keep track of such things, whether they're in person or virtual? Sure. So I think one of the questions we get a lot about is, I, I want to show my interest. Um, how many times do I need to visit? Here at Georgia, we do not consider any form of interest. So whether you visit campus 100 times or you visit campus zero times, it will not impact an admissions decision. We also recognize that not everybody has the opportunity um, to either drive several hours um, from your part of the country or get on a plane. And oftentimes that can, that can be challenging and a huge financial commitment. Um, and so know that that is not something that would impact a decision. And in fact, we encourage some students to perhaps wait until they've received an admissions decision um, before they come visit. If, if Georgia is where they know they want, want to, to really enroll to, to get that piece when they have that acceptance. Um, transparently, all colleges are going to keep track of what you attend. It doesn't mean that they're going to use it um, in an admissions decision, but I know that we keep track of who comes to our events because we need to make sure that these programs are um, a good use of our time, but they're also serving students in the manner that we would hope so. And so virtual events, um, we're, we're going to keep that information as well as campus visit experiences. We're going to keep that information too, 
but we're not going to use it as a basis of your decision. Understood. And so what are some of the other things that a student can do to make you aware that they, in fact, truly want to attend the University of Georgia? So at Georgia, if you really want to make me aware that you want to come here, all you got to do is apply. Uh, <laughs> I, I know that sounds crazy, but we've gotten um, food in the mail. We get cards sometimes. <laughs> we get handwritten letters. But all of those pieces are not going to be considered. The only information we're going to consider is what is in your application and those required pieces. So if you really want to come to Georgia, all you need to do is submit an application. <laughs> I love it. Great advice. How about on-site interviews with prospective students? Do you conduct them? If so, what advice would you give to a student preparing for their interview? Sure. So kind of like the, the visitation process, Georgia also doesn't offer um, interview for students. Um, recognize that we have about 40,000 students in our applicant pool. Um, and our entire office, not specific to recruitment team, is about 45 people. And we simply don't, we don't have the means to interview students. <laughs> and so one of my biggest tips to students applying in our process is to consider your application, your interview. And oftentimes I hear, well, it's harder to put these things into writing. That said, that's the only piece we're going to be able to use. So you want to make sure that you're effectively communicating um, the things that you want our admissions office to know about you as a student. Well, I think that's really important advice in terms of using the essay to really let the admissions person know what your character is, what your personality is. And it's not an easy thing to do, but that's why students, you need to take time with the essay. Certainly not something that you do in one sitting. You start, you stop, you reflect, you go back to it to give that best view of who you are as a person. Again, your character, your personality, something that is not easily found somewhere else on the application. What are some examples of college essays, Kelly, now that we're talking about college essays, that stuck with you? And when you read them, perhaps you thought, wow, you know, this student really needs to come to the University of Georgia. So for the essays, this can be a tricky part because um, you may want to tell us about how much you want to come here or you may reshare information that's in your application. But a really good thing to consider when writing your essay is to A, know your audience, but B, use this as a place to share new information in your application where you're not exactly sure where it may fit. Um, when I think about some of the most memorable essays, those are ones that I can tell that this is truly specific to this student and it is an experience that could not be replicated. They took some time to reflect on themselves um, and this is going to sound a little bit quirky but one of the most memorable essays that I recall was a student who um, was doing well in all the other areas, but really kind of honed in on her, her weirdness, I'm going to call it that, um, and wrote about her love of shrimp. <laughs> she liked shrimp all different ways. Her mom had an extra refrigerator for shrimp. She had shrimp t-shirts. She liked it scampy, fried, grilled. And the topic was tell us something interesting or amusing about yourself that, you know, may not be, that we wouldn't know otherwise. And she nailed it. Um, no, this was not this was not something that you know students may think of as being something college admissions officers want to read. Um, but 
what we want to see is who you are as a student. And so a tip would be don't 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 write about what you think we we want to hear. Write truly what is specific to you and what makes you special, cool and interesting. Um, even if it is something like loving shrimp, it the student wrote the essay really well, and I learned something new about them. So that's fantastic. And for whatever it's worth, Kelly, I love shrimp too. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for that insight. What about teacher letters of recommendation? What are you looking for to help get a better picture of the candidate? And are there, again, examples of letters that really stuck out and made an impression on you? This is a really great question um, because oftentimes teacher recommendation letters, we get the question of, can I send more? Um, how many do you require? <laughs> Georgia has a teacher recommendation as being optional. While we want one, I want to emphasize on the reason why it is optional is because we recognize teachers have a lot on their plate. And let's say at the end of the day, that was the one piece that an applicant was missing. We would not want to penalize a student for not having that one piece. So recognize that is the reason why it is optional. While we do would like to see one, we want to um, see a teacher recommendation letter from somebody who knows you in the classroom, um, not that knows you in the community, that knows your involvement. They know you and your capability as a student in their classroom. Typically, junior teachers um, see a lot of growth in their students as, as that's a, a, a a time period where there is a lot of growth for um, a student in the classroom. Um, some of the, the more memorable teacher recommendation letters for me um, are when a student has a lower grade in that classroom or maybe they had a lower grade the first semester and the teacher can speak to the student seeking help outside of the normal classroom setting, um, coming to study hall, coming to the classroom earlier, um, putting in that work ethic to pull that grade up, even if it is from a C to a B. Um, that shows us not only are you willing to put in the work, you know how to advocate for yourself. Um, that's a really big thing at a place like University of Georgia where there are a lot of students. We want to be able to see that students know how to um, tap into resources so that they can be successful in navigating the academic climate. Well, that's great insight for students, parents, but also for teachers. And you're right. Teachers definitely have a lot on their plate. So we want to give a shout out to all of our teachers. We love what you do and we appreciate all the great things that you do for the students and, uh, and parents. So thank you to all the teachers. Kelly, what about students that may have had an IEP or a 504 in high school? You know, they come to the University of Georgia. What services do you provide to help make sure that they succeed? Sure. So Georgia has um, a really helpful disabilities resource center um, that has a lot of information on their website on um, what that would look for students with documenting learning disabilities. Um, one of the first steps after you're admitted is they will ask for that um, information to be submitted so they have it on hand. Um, but then they're also going to be able to connect you with all the resources to help you be successful at Georgia. Maybe it is um, you need help taking notes in a classroom, um, you need additional time on testing, whatever that may be, um, they're going to help you make sure that you know um, 
about those tools and how it's going to help you be successful. Well, terrific. Well, thank you so much for that, because I know that there's a lot of students that did have an IEP and their parents, and they are concerned and they worry about these things. So I appreciate you sharing that. In closing, Kelly, what are the three top pieces of advice you would give to students and their parents getting ready to apply to college now? So I'll start with parents. Um, And I say this as someone who has you know, many of our admission staff here are parents who have made it to the other side of the process. Like they've gone <laughs> through it and like, they're like, we can do this. Um, one of the things that was really helpful to them was to define a time to talk about the college process. Senior year is stressful for a number of reasons for students. Um, the, the academics are hard. Um, I think it's just hard being a person right now where we are in 2022. And so this is an extra layer of stress on a 17 and 18 year old. So if, if you can define what is the time that you want to talk about um, colleges and universities, I think there is merit in that on both the student and parent side so that it is not always the topic of conversation. Um, The next two tips that I have are really going to be specific to students. And this one seems very straightforward. But students, you need to read the emails that we send you. If we send you an email, it usually means that's something important. And so make sure that you are reading the emails and clicking on the resources that we provide you because we want you to complete your file. Um, We want you to stay on top of things. And usually... We're going to touch base with you in an email, so pro tip. Um, (laughs) Last but not least, during this process, as a student and as a parent, there are a lot of things that you can control. Um, There are also a lot of things that you cannot control, um, like the decisions that admissions offices and universities are going to make. We have institutional goals that we sometimes have to meet that um, have nothing to do with the student going through the process. And so know that there are things that are going to be within a student's control, and that is doing well in high school, doing well in the classes, doing their best in submitting their application. Um, But there are things that are uncontrollable in this process, and those are things that you as a student and as a parent really should not worry about. Well, I think that's great advice. Control what is in your power to control, such as putting your best foot forward with grades and uh, co-curricular activities and leave the rest up to the admissions office. And ultimately, every student will end up in the college or university that is best suited for them. Kelly, I can't thank you enough for the insight, for your time. We really appreciate it. It was fantastic hearing all about the University of Georgia. I hope to have you on the show again. Thanks so much. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap. What's up, podcast friends? I'm happy to share that we've teamed up with Dormco to make your dorm decorating a lot easier. Why Dormco? They offer quality and durability. 
affordability, and a wide selection for bedding to storage solutions and everything in between for your dorm room. So if you or anyone you know is looking to decorate your dorm, see the affiliate partnership link in the show notes for Dormco, your one stop for stylish, affordable, and quality dorm essentials. Please note that if you make a purchase through any of our affiliate links, the podcast gets a commission, but rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel would benefit our listeners. Thank you all and best wishes. 